The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Hey, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. You are so deserving of all the joy and juiciness you can stand. I'm Lisa McCourt of Joy School, and this is Do Joy, the Vibration Elevation Podcast. Let's do some joy. Welcome, my sweet peas. I hope you're having a beautiful day and loving on your gorgeous self. How did you do with your Joy Bomb home play last week? Did you come to some realizations about that tangly web of beliefs that's clouding up your perception filter? Are you starting to pull back the curtain on some of your bucket beliefs? It's pretty eye-opening, isn't it? If this is your first time listening to Do Joy, I hope I'm not making you feel too lost with these terms I'm throwing around. Hang in there with us. It'll all start to make sense. And if you have been on this journey with me from the beginning, I mean, we're only four episodes in at this point, but I realize we've covered a lot, even so. So even if you've been with me, through the discussions about your filter of perception that's uniquely yours, that's made up of those bucket beliefs that you've accumulated in your life. We are going to just continue to have conversations around these concepts because this all needs to become more than an intellectual understanding for you. We are here together in this space because you've made a commitment to raising your personal vibration. I've made a commitment to getting you there So we're going to need these ideas to really, really kerklunk for you. Kerklunk is my fancy term for how it feels when some spiritual idea or concept that I've heard a bunch of times will suddenly have genuine, profound meaning for me. When it just goes kerklunk from my head down into my heart, solid, and I'm forever changed by it. I must be pretty thick because there are a boatload of concepts that have had to wait an eternity in my headspace before that kerklunk happened, and it still continues to happen. Thank goodness. That would suck if it didn't. And even some concepts that I have previously embodied in that way, I've noticed there's always that next level of kerklunk, that next level of deeper recognition and knowing. And for each deeper level of kerklunk, you can never go back. You're up-leveled. It's awesome. You'll probably notice it happening with you as you listen to the DoJoy podcast, even if you've been familiar with some of these concepts before. 
my um, my colleagues and I joke sometimes about how anytime you hold yourself up as a teacher of manifestation, someone's going to point to you and say, well, like, why don't you have a private jet if you're such a great manifester? Why don't you have a chateau in the south of France? And I get it. That's totally a valid question. I understand where it's coming from. And the answer is two part. Okay. The first part, obviously, is that my deepest heart's desire is not going to necessarily be what your deepest heart's desire is. Things like money, personal attractiveness, status, these are things that generally we humans always think we want more and more and more of, no matter how much we have. It's just what our culture perpetuates. But one of the nuances to mastering manifestation is getting really clear on what our inner being longs for, what each of us deeply desires at a core soul level that often has nothing to do with what others are able to observe on an external level. And the second thing, which we'll be diving into deeper soon, is that manifestation can never outrun our core belief about our own deservingness. I'll unpack that a tiny bit now and then we'll be addressing it more fully soon. It's energetic law that you can never pull into your life more than you deep down believe you deserve. That's why we're doing bucket belief work, my darlings. So most of us who have dedicated our lives to this kind of work, myself and other teachers, most of us have overcome some pretty significant issues around our own worthiness. And like I was just explaining, it's always a work in progress. I know beyond any doubt that manifestation tools work because I've used them to create a life that is so far and above what I used to create for myself. When I look back at who I was and where I was emotionally, circumstantially, I mean, today I wake up every morning with tears of gratitude in my eyes. I'm not even kidding, that's my experience. I wake up next to the kindest, most emotionally generous, high vibration partner I could ever imagine. I have beautiful, rewarding relationships with my two absolutely incredible daughters that make me so proud I could explode, plus other close family and friend relationships I cherish, including one with a 99-year-old grandmother. How blessed is that? I live in a gorgeous home decorated precisely to my tastes and likings with lots of nature and a beautiful part of the country. I'm passionate about my ever-evolving career that lets me deliver my gifts in a way that feels purposeful and effective and like I'm making a difference in the world. Does that mean I'm done manifesting? Hell no! But the thing to understand is that manifestation flows through a valve for each of us. And it's a valve that we can continue to expand incrementally with the practices that I'm bringing to you in this podcast. The valve doesn't go from trickle to tidal wave. It opens gradually over time. I've been working on opening my valve of deservingness for many years, and it's been more rewarding than I could ever express, but it's still an ongoing process, as it is for every one of us who embarks on this journey. I'm loving every step along the way, so I don't ever wish that I could, you know, wiggle my nose and get to the finish line. I'm happy there is no finish line. So all of that is to say, the kerklunks that you get with this work just continue to get kerklunkier. 
So hold the vision with me, darlings. Don't let go of the vision. I'll get you there. And like I've explained before, manifesting all that external stuff out there is just the natural evolution from upgrading what we've got going on in here. So let's get back to our upgrading tools. Okay, so we've established that you cannot believe your own thinking. Your thinking comes through an unreliable filter of your personal perception. And I know you're probably thinking I'm going to say you can only believe your feelings, but I'm sorry, darlings, you can't believe your feelings either. I hope Rob's story last week made that abundantly clear. Because every feeling comes from a thought. Since the feeling is based on a thought that arose from a flawed perception filter, the feeling's message to you has no basis in anything real. The feeling itself is real and valid, of course. You're probably like, why the heck has she had me paying all this attention to my feelings if they aren't even real? Fair. I'm not saying that the feelings aren't real. That would be absurd. It's just that you can't believe the messages that your bad feelings are trying to send you. I'm going to break all that down today, but the overview is your feelings are real things that create real chemical reactions in your body, but every feeling springs from a thought and left unchecked, the feeling can then generate new thoughts that pile on to the originating thought. And depending on what kind of thought it was, this cycle can be detrimental to your vibratory state. Just really unnecessarily dragging down your joy. The reason anything ever feels bad to begin with is that it's in opposition to your soul's deep knowing. You, at your core, your pure essence of love and joy, who you are, is not in agreement with the thought that's causing the bad feeling. That's why it feels bad. So you've been practicing honoring your feelings and accepting all of them with compassion for a very good reason. Your feelings are valuable, precious clues. They hold the key to gaining insight and clarity about what's in your filter. This is the broader perspective I've been talking about, the observer viewpoint that we have to master so that we can expand that perception filter and get it working for us instead of against us. Your feelings are not trustworthy in terms of the messaging they try to send you, but they're supremely valuable in gaining an understanding of how your filter works. So we're going to establish a new relationship with our thoughts and feelings. And the reason this is tricky business comes back to those hardwired biases I described a few episodes back, thanks to the confirmation bias, as well as the way our society is structured, You've spent your whole life desperate to be right about things. Think back to your school days. If you have the right answer in school, you get rewards and praise and respect and gold stars. And if you get the wrong answer enough times, you get shame, punishment. You're made to feel significantly less than. Ouch. And these are the feelings that actually still trigger our survival instinct because of that primitive fear of being ostracized from the tribe that we've talked about. So it's natural that we very much want to believe our thoughts 
We want to believe that we're right, even when our thoughts are making us unhappy. Even when they make us unhappy, the need to be right is stronger than our own desire for happiness. We humans are such bizarre creatures that way. But once we deeply understand that our thoughts are so terribly tainted by our filter, and we recognize that much of what's in our filter is working against us, it lets us open up to the possibility that our thoughts are just not reliable. And coming to clearly see that is the difference between the work that we do here together through this podcast and traditional positive thinking. Positive thinking in itself is not very effective because when your conscious mind says, I've got to think happy thoughts, happy thoughts, happy thoughts, it kind of begs the question, under what circumstances would someone set an intention like that? You would likely set an intention like that only when you know that deep down you're believing thoughts that are making you unhappy. Otherwise, you wouldn't even be trying to cover it with those positive affirmations in the first place, right? Well, I love to say your subconscious isn't an idiot. It knows when you're faking it. And your subconscious is responsible for the strongest energetic signal you send out that's creating your reality. So only when you deeply realize how your awareness system is set up to feed you bullcrap, can you neutralize your dependence on those bucket beliefs enough to start working effectively with this energy. This is a lot to digest, so I want us to take a stretch break. I want you to ask your precious body what would feel good and then give it to your precious body. Maybe you need to roll your head around on your neck, roll your shoulders in their sockets. Maybe it would feel fabulous to stand up and hang at your waist, just swinging like a rag doll to let those lower vertebrae stretch open. I'm going to give you a moment to explore with that. Mm, Yes, my body was grateful for that. I hope yours was too. See how easy it is to show yourself a little love? Okay, so I've told you that we'd be working on two things, learning how to be happy and also manifesting what we want with the understanding that these two things are really not connected in the way we've been led to believe. The good news is that coincidentally, handily, We can work toward both of these objectives by deepening our practice with this one primary skill that we're focusing so much on right now, getting separate from our thoughts. Putting that space between us and our thoughts is what will allow us to create inner peace, joy, happiness, alignment with our inner self. And it's from that energy that we'll easily be able to create all the things we want in our external world. That's why the last few weeks Joy Bomb Home Play has been so foundational. You've practiced being the observer of you, first by observing your feelings, then by adding in the practice of observing yourself as an energetic presence. And you practice treating yourself with compassion, which we'll also be building on a lot going forward. That's a big part of widening that deservingness valve that I mentioned earlier. You've begun learning the language of your soul by asking powerful questions of yourself. And you've undoubtedly begun noticing when you're triggered by something in your life. This week, you'll continue with your self-inquiry while practicing showing yourself that compassion 
But now that you understand how your filter works, you're going to add in a new skill for getting clarity on where those feelings that you're identifying are actually coming from. It begins by understanding that every feeling you have comes from a thought. We think some external event causes the feeling, but there's an instantaneous, barely perceptible step in between those two things. It's a three-stage process. Event happens, meaning we have a, the, a, the thing that happens out there in the world. Number two, we have a thought about the event as it crosses the threshold of our unique filter. And then three, we feel the feeling based on the thought, not the event itself. So this week's joy bomb, are you ready? This week, when you feel triggered by anything, big or small, you're gonna pause and ask yourself, what is the thought that preceded this feeling I'm having? I want you to break it down into the three parts. What was the event, the thing that happened? What was the thought, the meaning I made of the thing that happened? And what was the feeling? An event doesn't have any significance until we assign it a meaning on its way through our filter. So let me take you through an example. Someone makes a rude remark about you. You feel that whoosh of shame or indignation or anger. It alters your body chemistry in a second. It seems like the feeling is a direct result of the event. But if you can push the slow-mo button in your mind, you see that no remark anyone ever makes has to affect you, right? It only affects you to the extent that you make meaning of it. So when you go to that place of quiet inner reflection and ask, darling, what are you feeling? The triggered part of you might answer, I'm feeling hurt or I'm feeling frustrated that I can't win favor with this person or I'm angry, that was so unfair. Who does she think she is? The next level you'll go to this week with your self-inquiry is what meaning did I assign this event? Beneath this reaction, what's the story I must be telling myself? The underlying question, of course, is what's the core belief that caused me to make this meaning from this thing that just happened? This takes some work because even though the story behind it is what's causing your feelings, this all goes on in a snap deep beneath the level of your awareness. It seems to you like whatever reaction you're having is the totally obvious reaction that anyone would have. But the truth is that whatever you feel from this incident isn't about the current incident itself. It's about whatever you've got stored in your buckets. So, Keeping that in mind, you might even get a glimpse of the bucket belief that your feeling is springing from. This is extremely powerful work I'm throwing you right into pretty early in our journey. This is how we gain clarity and awareness about what's in our filter. Talk about popping the red pill instead of the blue. This is showing us the matrix, letting us glimpse at what makes up our unique filter that we're normally oblivious to. Because we can't work with it or peek around it until we can plainly call it out for what it is. So to get back to our example, if you knew 
beyond any doubt that this remark was crazy and baseless, it wouldn't trigger you at all. If some stranger came up to you and said, you're a rhinoceros, you wouldn't necessarily be offended. You know you're not a rhinoceros, so you might just laugh and think they're nuts. But if you happen to have a big nose or a big butt that you're self-conscious about, you might feel triggered and hurt. You'd automatically assume, based on your filter, that you know what this remark was intended to mean. It's the meaning we make of anything that causes our feelings about it. For the remark to hurt you, there must be some agreement somewhere inside you, whatever story you've made up about yourself that jibes with your assumption about the remarker's intention. And I get that some comments are more overtly derogatory than the rhinoceros comment, but even then, you're at choice to recognize that anything anyone says about you is only an outward demonstration of what's inside them and has very little to do with you. We'll do a lot more with that later because again, that's a bigger conversation. So for you to have any kind of negative emotional reaction to anything, there's a story underneath it. And I want you to start noticing the difference between the event, the thing that happens, and the story. And I'll tell you a secret. For most of us, it's the same story again and again, even if the external events seem different on the surface. We create our lives vibrationally. We're creating every next moment, next hour, next day, based on where we're vibrating and what's prominent in our filter right now. Until we change our filter, we're not gonna change our patterns of creation and we're not gonna be able to raise our set point for joy. And when I say there's always a story behind it, I don't necessarily mean a real detailed story. There are about a dozen detrimental core bucket beliefs that most of us feed to varying extents. For many, many people, there's a bucket we keep filling that says simply, I'm not good enough, or I'm not lovable, people are bad, I don't deserve good things, I'm powerless. There are other common bucket beliefs and there are more specific flavors of those. I'm just trying to hit some of the biggies with you. You are a reality manufacturing machine. It's all you, my love bugs. As you travel through life, situation by situation, your mind is always asking, how is it here? And the answer to that question is not coming from any kind of objective reality. A sliver of it is coming from that, but the vast majority of the answer to how is it here is coming from whatever we layer over that sliver of objective reality based on our own unreliable perception filter. And then we create more unique reality for us to experience based on that energy. One of my favorite teachers, Alan Cohen, used to say, your world is your thoughts pushed out. That's all it is. So this week, I want you to get excited every time you get triggered by anything, which just means every time you have any kind of unpleasant feeling. Get excited because it's an opportunity to try out this practice. For extra gold stars, write about it in your journal. Write down the three parts you identify for every reaction you have. One, the event, the thing that happens. Two, the thought or the meaning you give the event. And three, the feeling that rises up in you based on that thought or meaning. 
then focus on that, that number two part, the meaning that you ascribed. Notice how the originating event is just an event. The feeling is all about the meaning you gave it. That's the primary skill you're working on this week. But if you want to crank that up a notch, go ahead and see if you might be able to recognize a recurring core wound related to this feeling and the meaning that you ascribe to things. Maybe one of the broad ones I mentioned above. You can look back on how you might have formed that bucket belief if you like, but it's not necessary. Just recognize that it's a bucket you've spent your life feeding. See if you can just try out making the choice to not believe your thoughts when they spring from that bucket. And don't expect it to come easily. If you find even just one application of this tool this week, you'll be doing fantastic with this practice. Like I said, I'm throwing you right into the deep end with this, even in my Oasis community where we support one another in figuring all of this out. It's commonly acknowledged that it's no piece of cake. The rewards though, once it starts to click into place, I cannot begin to describe the rewards that await you. Remember when I told you that it's the resistance to our emotions that causes our suffering, not the emotions themselves? And how when you learn to embrace them, every emotion can have an undercurrent of joy? That's the reward of a more clear filter. And that's what this week's home play will start to unravel for you. Maybe you've heard Rumi's famous poem, The Guest House. Let me read it to you in case you haven't heard it. This is The Guest House by Rumi. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture, still treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whatever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. Isn't that yummy? Welcoming every emotion, opening our arms to Rumi's crowd of sorrows does not come naturally to most of us because we've been so conditioned to label everything out there as good or bad, wanted or unwanted. And doing the work of breaking down our responses with this three-part system will show you how automatic and ultimately arbitrary these labels can be. So welcome every emotion that comes up as you do your home play. Welcome the sadness, the meanness, whatever is there. Bringing it all up into the light of your conscious awareness is all we're looking for this week. I want you to lay these realizations out on a metaphorical table where we'll have access to them for doing our magic with them. Deal? I've invited a guest for next week who will shed some beautiful light on all of this. Normally, my guests are longtime friends and colleagues like Rob. This one's very different because I've never had the pleasure of speaking with Samantha in person. She goes by S.C. Lurie, but she's the perfect guest for this juncture of our journey because she's all about the second part of the three-part breakdown that we're exploring, the meaning that we make of things. You'll feel it when you hear her beautiful work. 
I call her a poet. I don't know if she calls herself a poet. We'll have to ask her. But through her words, you'll get a vivid sense of her filter, how she perceives everything from the deepest tragedies imaginable to the heights of joy without shying away from or hiding from any emotion. It will inspire you, I promise. I've been posting a lot of her work at my Facebook page. You're always welcome to come join me there. It's Lisa McCourt Author at Facebook. Just come send me your friend request. There is no doubt you'll be elevated by the incredibly high vibe posts that I've been sharing. Until then, until next week, I love you. I'm holding you in joy. And the Oasis community is always here. If you'd like to process any of this together, be sure to subscribe, like, and bestow stars and glowing reviews on this podcast. Go to mindbodyspirit.fm to download the app if you'd like to joy even more conveniently at your fingertips. And just be well, my love bugs. See you next week. Joy comes in many flavors, but they all start with you being full on glorious you. If you'd like some personal love and support along your joy journey, find me at lisamccourt.com. And as you do your joy this week, remember that you elevating your vibration elevates the vibration of everyone around you and ultimately elevates the vibration of all humanity. Thank you for being a valued member of the team that's bringing more love and joy into the world. We need you. I'll see you next week for Do Joy, the Vibration Elevation Podcast. Much love. Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of A Guided Life Podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests 
and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.